0: That Joke Isn't Funny Anymore. Available on Amazon and everywhere. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Lou Perez Podcast. I'm your host, Lou Perez. Uh, please excuse the lighting. I got some Godfather lighting going on right now. And um, I don't know what my look is. Uh, I'm, I kind of look like, uh, I don't know, 2023's Richard Grieco so i got that going right now um i'm very excited uh for this show um i get to talk to somebody who i've wanted to talk to for uh quite a few years and uh he's a great follow on twitter and let's welcome him to the stream please give it up for mr steve factor from the mcfuture podcast steve hey lou how you doing good good um like i said thank you so much uh Uh, I really appreciate you doing this. I've wanted to talk to you for a while. And something that we need to point out uh, right now is that uh, for those of you who aren't, you know, watching this uh, live, my head is humongous. And Steve, and and we were trying to figure out, you know, like the different, um, you know, uh, you know, camera setups. And Steve was like, do you want me near, you know, closer? Do you want me smaller and all that? And I said, dude, I don't know. I just, I can't figure out. (laughs) how <laughs> to make my myself smaller in the frame. So what you've got lived is all the head. with a giant
1: head my whole life. So uh, uh I I guess the only one who who has the most to complain about that would probably be my mom. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but
1: but uh but uh, for for our purposes today, I think we're we're pretty good.
0: Have you uh, is there um I remember I, I I played ice hockey with a kid in Anthony, I don't want to give his last name because I, I I haven't talked to Anthony in decades, and I don't know where he is now. But one of the jokes was that his head was so massive, and it was almost like he had his head was like the circumference of like a waist, you know. And I wonder, you know, I know like back in the day there used to be you know the pseudoscience about phrenology, you know, hmm. bumps in the head and being able to figure out uh criminality and that sort of thing. Is there anything to just having a big cranium? Is that You know, is there any, you know, advantage, evolutionarily speaking, IQ? Not
1: that I know of, because, you know, if you were to start making that argument, you would have to like just on a very elemental level, you would you would say women are generally smaller than men. And therefore, if we were to go that route, you would end up in the same sort of genetic territory that people got into, get canceled for with uh, race, with all this other stuff. So so I, I think even if there was any scientific uh, uh, validity to it, I don't even think there's a scientist on earth who would study it.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I, I, um, I don't think I've met a woman with as big of a noggin as I have and I, and I have a big head, but I wonder how much of like the size of my head, like my head seems, I think to have gotten larger, um, as I've gotten older, but I wonder how much of that is an illusion from the fact that my hair is going back. You know what I mean? Okay. So
1: you've just reminded me of something that I've noticed as well. And I I'm sure there's science behind it, but I've never looked into it. So I've noticed that athletes as they get older, they get thicker. They're not mm. necessarily like, you know, uh, cause they, they all start out kind of spindly. And then as time goes on, they're not necessarily fat or anything, but they're, they're thicker. So I think just using those muscles over time thickens you up as a, just as a, as a person over time.
0: Yeah. I've been just getting these these muscles in my forehead just like (laughs) like Barry
1: Bonds, Barry Bonds. I mean, that guy, you know, clearly lives a natural lifestyle, you know, (laughs) he's got, he's, and, and just, you know, look at the pictures before and after completely different.
0: I love that if that, that there was a time when people were really, you know, like standing up for him and saying like, no man, he doesn't do steroids. He doesn't do uh, PEDs. It's like a similar thing to like people standing up for uh professional wrestling. So no, it's real man. Like it 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 is totally real. And then, you know, later on I think we become a lot more um uh we become more um I don't know, adults in just admitting like, yeah, man, uh, like all those guys are on juice or, you know, take some kind of performance hancer- enhancer and th- people have always been doing it, especially when it comes to sports.
1: Well, it, it, you know, when it comes to wrestling especially, I think there's, you know, kind of a um, I've heard an argument recently that I'm starting to believe that in a way, because it's fake, it's more real in in terms of a reflection of our world than, than a lot of things that we think are real. You know, like uh, there's this whole kayfabe thing. Have you heard of it?
0: What's that? What's kayfabe?
1: So kayfabe, I'm not going to do it justice, but uh, I think it's a concept that um, Eric Weinstein uh, either came up with or popularized and the idea is that, you know, this, uh, a lot of life is play, sort of like a play acting. And so wrestling is the model for it, where people kind of pretend something is real, but it really isn't. And so they're, anyway, so I, I'm not doing it justice, but basically the fraudulence is more reflective of reality, the fraudulence of mm. the, like professional wrestling than are what we think is completely above board and serious.
0: Yeah, I think one of the one of the best uh, South Park uh, episodes I'd ever seen was one that took on like professional wrestling. And they did it really well because it was like the kids all signed up to do their school wrestling and they all thought it was going to be professional wrestling, but no, it's Olympic uh wrestling, <laughs> which is wild that that's, you know, considered amateur wrestling. And they're like, "Oh my god, this sucks." And then um the professional wrestling as it's um depicted it's depicted as as like you know operatic it's depicted as you know um basically epic you know these you know epic yeah those
1: huge jumps and the pile drivers
0: yeah and and like everyone having like kind of that moment that soliloquy and um as a as a as a sketch as a sketch comedy person uh actually I, i talked to my my partner greg uh greg burke about this a while back uh where you know one of the great things about youtube is just going down these rabbit holes and he's like dude when was the last time you watched like late 80s early 90s wrestling promos and i'm like i hadn't watched in a while he's like you gotta watch it because it's like some of the best like improv sketch comedy you'll ever see like just how well for one every guy's a character and just how committed they are to this to these insane roles and everybody else needs to be you know needs to participate and play their role you know whether it's a straight man or you yeah. know a uh, you know another crazy character so definitely on that level i think you know the performance wise i mean the guys are, are pretty uh pretty amazing
1: well it's a great yes and exercise that never ends and by the way i uh, just uh, before we get into other stuff uh, i i've been a big fan of your sketches too I, and, and i think uh is greg the one that you did the um uh the wolverine sketch with yep
0: yeah okay Wolf- i
1: love that so, thank you man thank so you i'm a fan
0: wolverine's claws suck
1: and <laughs> yeah, i think we're
0: we're coming on maybe like Damn, it might be like 14 or 15 years. That's yeah, that was that before
1: you is. could grow facial hair.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I I was I was <laughs> unable to look like the Richard Grieco uh <laughs> That's right. be, before you. Yeah, and that that one I mean, when we talk about like hits, um uh, that that is our our hit, our Magnum, magnum opus, opus. has like on YouTube right now if you guys go to Wolverine's claws suck on Greg and Lou has over 19 million views.
1: I, I recommend mean, it.
0: Yeah. And and that that um I I we were I remember shooting that and just being just so annoyed and frustrated the whole night we're shooting because we were shooting it, I think it might have been around something like summertime in an apartment in Queens and I had all this sticky fake blood on me. And I just wanted to get I just wanted to get out of there. You can get the real stuff in Queens. Yeah, I know we messed we messed up, man. I think that that was all. I wonder if the real stuff is as sticky as the the corn syrup and uh, chocolate or whatever the hell we used um, for that. But no, man, I I appreciate that. Thanks so much. And uh, it's funny looking back at that because when I uh, I don't look like I look. Back back then, like you thickened
1: up, but it's it's I'm your athleticism. It's, it's like, your
0: athleticism. It's on me getting fat. It's you and
1: LeBron. Me. Same same exact thing. You know, you just thicken right. up over the decades.
0: That's right, man. That's right. <laughs> I um uh so so uh, one thing I want to uh, want to talk to you about. uh Do you identify like, as a futurist? Is that is I that... I do identify. I don't know what <laughs> language to use, Steve. Come on, I don't know. <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, I, I I would like to identify as a trans futurist because I yeah. think I would get way more business even than uh, than I would in my own shitty body. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I, let's just say you are not living in the past. You are no,
1: no, I One am living I in the future, and and uh, to the chagrin of most of the people in my family, yeah. uh, but. Uh, but yeah I mean it, it sounds kind of goofy to describe it but only because all the other alternatives are even goofier because if if I if I say that I I'm a scenario planner that you're asleep by the second word well, so
0: you're gonna have to define well you, I I'd like you to define a futurist but maybe you could define scenario planner first
1: yeah yeah you know no it, it, it's exactly what it sounds like uh companies uh um Governments, agencies, they hire me to give them a a projection of the future Uh, because the only way you can make investment decisions beyond the current year or even within the current year, arguably, is by having some point of view of what the world might look like. And if you don't, then how are you going to say, well, we're going to, uh, you know, undergo this multi-year investment or this change in strategy or whatever it is. And, and then what, like, what is the world going to be like in three to five, maybe 10 years? So, so that's kind of what I do. I guess uh, the analogy I, I, I've been warming up to lately is it's sort of like my, my job or a lot of it is sort of like, um. A clam. You know how a clam has to process all of this garbage and trash in the ocean mm-hmm. and then eventually, hopefully, come up with a pearl at the end? So, it, it, so essentially, I am a... Human garbage processor of trends, of information, of all the stuff that's coming through. And I have to identify what matters and what doesn't, what's real, what isn't, and then turn that into some sort of projection. And then that's just the fr- front half of my business. The back half is the innovation side, which, you know, I, I would say probably. 50, maybe forty to fifty percent of the work is on that side of the equation. So front end is okay. Well, where are things going? Uh, so where are the opportunities going to be? And then how do we actually make those happen? You know, pro- new product services.
0: when it when it comes to to that, do you do you read people's palms? Do you <laughs> get their astrology? <laughs> I read. Started?
1: I read your your Twitter feed. Which, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I um, no you. I mean, you consume a lot of stuff. So I'll give you an example. Um, mm-hmm. When the Ukraine war broke out, uh, okay. a lot of work uh, was coming my way uh, because a lot of people wanted to know, okay, well, this, this obviously has huge implications uh, because uh, energy is an input to everything. You know, maybe not direct, but indirect at the very least. Uh, you know, food products, the, everything there is driven by energy costs. So including packaging, you know, all the plastics right. are made with, with, uh, oil or petroleum based products. So, um, so that was an example of something that's a, a trigger event that people go, okay, something's happening, but it doesn't happen in isolation, right? Because there's a whole bunch of other things happening at the same time, not just, you know, war, but what are the likely responses? What are the likely, you know, like uh, what, what are corporations going to do? What are, you know, so you have, you know, competitive responses. So you have to kind of use patterns or, or, or identify patterns to see, okay, well, what is likely to happen? And you don't have to be right uh, all the time, but you have to be close enough where people can, can use the information or the insights to make some decisions,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know? And, and so, uh, so I think that separate separating that signal from the noise is probably the biggest thing.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, one of the, one of the things I think, uh, you know, over the past, you know, couple of years, um, it feels like a lot of, know experts have just gotten it wrong or at least the experts that maybe i was listening to (laughs) i don't know (laughs) i don't know um but it's sort of like what you know how do you build you know confidence in your in you know for others you know uh in yourself and in your brand like what sort of batting average do you need for people to be like you know what um i gotta trust steve on on this as opposed to you know uh what's it Kramer or whatever the, whatever the hell is yeah he yeah jim well. uh, jim, or, K-
1: jim Cramer, or maybe guys like uh uh scott galloway or
0: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So scott yeah. galloway has a he he's like um I haven't followed him that much but he's like the NYU professor with an attitude right right you know? and
1: he's really like leaning into the professor title because it's the name of his podcast it's everything yeah. uh, but uh but yeah i I, I mean he's done a, a great job so he's kind of a template i mean i I'm trying to hold on to at least forty percent more hair than he has uh just to you know <laughs> uh, to have some advantages but uh yeah I, I think there's a lot of people who are Uh, kind of public prognosticators and there are people who are more you know kind of uh under the radar or or are known in the corporate sphere like faith uh popcorn and people like that who people might know of her or have heard the name but but she kind of exists in that corporate realm where popcorn popcorn yeah you could you could follow her she follows me on on uh twitter but um uh no but what i was going to say i i think it's important to set where you thrive and where you're, you're not so strong. So, you know, uh, I, I did an episode on the podcast once breaking down expertise and where expertise mm. breaks down and why expertise is breaking down now more than ever before. So, you know, if you picture like a two by two, right. Um, in the, there are problems that are known and, uh, there are, um, uh, so the problem is new and you only focus on one area of expertise so there i'm not going to be your best guy if you you know get the medical guy if if Mm -hmm. there's a a specific medical issue uh and if it's a problem that's known like we know about cancer right Mm -hmm. and you're gonna and and if you need to know all the different available uh treatments and and mitigation strategies for cancer you're going to work in that lower lower uh left hand box I'm not your guy. But as you start moving out on both axes, you start crossing multiple disciplines. Like COVID is a perfect example. Right. Because that was not just medical. That was uh, economics. That was geopolitics. That was all kinds of, you know, um, technology r- related that, that, that was um, uh, you know, just cities and work and, and, and
0: so, corporate. Yeah, so social so, yeah, social, yeah, social, yeah, social
1: behavioral all that stuff. And, and yeah. once you start moving in that direction, you're crossing multiple disciplines and the problem itself is novel. So now you're out in the upper right-hand quadrant and that's where I thrive, where where I'm good at synthesizing all of these crazy things that are happening across multiple disciplines. And then I can help you make sense of those.
0: Mm. How, how'd you get into how does one get into this? Did you study so I, like chaos theory and that sort of thing? <laughs>
1: it was chaos in my life. Uh, but uh yeah, it 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 sort of happened. Uh I was uh, uh in corporate for a long time. So I was head of um well, before I was head of anything, I was like a you know strategy type of guy in consulting. And then I went into corporate, uh, to MasterCard and I started doing innovation. So I actually brought innovation into the company and uh, developing new products and services. Like it it wasn't a function that existed
0: before. Is is MasterCard still around? This is such a stupid question. (laughs) MasterCard is still around. (laughs) I'm a, uh, maybe I don't know if I should tell people what, uh, what kind of card I, I, uh, I have, but I, I, I don't know if, if anybody else still gets these, but like every month I still get, um, discover still sends me mail like they yeah. really want me back ever since like it was the first card i ever had like in college and <laughs> so they, so they my
1: successor back. at mastercard uh went to run did she run, run all of discover she she ran a big chunk of it so i i, I don't remember i think it, it, it was either u.s or head of marketing I wonder if we
0: dated and that's why she just can't stop sending me <laughs> discover card shit <laughs>
1: Yeah. So, you know, so anyway, I, so I was doing innovation work and mm-hmm. and uh, coming up with new products and services, but a big part of it is figuring out, well, where are the opportunities? And so I started to, over time, you know, and, and I'll, I'll just kind of condense a, a bunch of jobs. So it was um, MasterCard, Citigroup, and American Express, where I, you know, progressed into managing more and more innovation type uh, work. Uh, and a, a big part of it is figuring out this, well, what's the world going to look like, where are the opportunity is mm-hmm. going to be. So that's sort of the front end. Then it's coming up with, you know, the specific ideas, let's say, then it's, uh, finding or developing the capabilities to execute on them. And so I, I put together this sort of, I, I call it the four C's of innovation. And, um, and the first one is context. So all the futurism stuff resides there so that's basically context is um what's happening in the world mm-hmm. uh you know the trends we've been talking about then what are you great at and what do you aspire to be and at the intersection of those three things are where you look for opportunities and so so that's where i kind of you know take so that's where the all the futurism stuff and whatever ends. And then I go into actually helping them execute. So I, a lot of it is finding partners for these, um, companies to execute for them, you know, like startups that already have 70% of the solution out there. So maybe they either partner with them or invest in them, uh, to bring it to market faster than developing it themselves. The giant corporations aren't good at developing anything internally.
0: Hmm. And, uh, did, uh, so you, you started out there and then you went off on your own?
1: Yeah. So I wrote a book. I wrote a book in uh, end of 2011 called A Connovation. And um, and I started to do a bunch of speaking and promotion around the book. And then they called me in <laughs> to, you know, to, to uh, who was it? Was it the PR? Oh, yeah. The P- the head of PR at uh, American Express and was like, uh, you have to run everything biased. Keep in mind, this is a company with a billion dollar marketing budget. It did mm. not need me out there improvising. <laughs> you know, right. So, so, uh, so, like, there's this
0: crazy guy. Yeah. You know, he, he's got a lot this, of
1: ideas in a lot of this remote.
0: manifesto. <laughs> right. Yeah, right,
1: right. Exactly. And so w- when I realized that there was absolutely no way to have any kind of freedom uh, to say anything I want to say, uh, without running it through a corporate film, and that's why, like, I've never had corporate people on the podcast. That's why, like, I it just, it, there's no point to listening to their interviews because it's sort of like athletes, you know, where you mm-hmm. ask them after the game, it's like, well, our backs were against the wall. And, you know, <laughs> uh, they, they played a, a tough game and they're great competitors. You know, it's like, it, it's, right, it's, it's formulaic. And so um, it's the same thing with corporate. And those are the things you're allowed to say. And I get it. You know, it's a controlled mm-hmm. environment. And, and, you have to live within those rules. And I wasn't prepared to live within those rules.
0: Yeah. You know, I I, I want to say something. I don't know if this is uh, going to be a popular take, but when you talk about innovation, I feel like uh, credit cards just as a technology, as an innovation are just incredible. Like, you know, when anytime someone thinks about credit cards, they automatically think about the debt that they have. And like, oh man, this freaking sucks. I have credit card debt you know, my wife and I were working, um, you know, to, to get it paid down. Obviously, um, we, we want to be, you know, debt free. Um, but you know, just looking at like just the idea of you can get this now and you don't have the money and you will eventually pay it off. Like that's, that's incredible. If you looked at just like the amount of stuff that you couldn't get, if you needed cash on hand, it's just endless. uh,
1: Well, you know, it's, it's funny. I had that exact revelation, uh, even though I'd worked in this business for a really long time, I, um, you know, I moved to the burbs at the, you know, like during the pandemic and that's a whole other conversation we could have, Mm -hmm. but the, uh, I, I I had to buy a car, never, never owned a car before. And so I, I went in and yeah, you know, I had good credit and, you know, whatever I, I, I applied, I, I didn't put any money down. They just gave me a car. We drove away from the plate. We drove away from a building with a, with a vehicle that, that I, I gave them nothing. Oh, I just, just a, a little bit of paperwork. And they were like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Just drive off the lot. It's fine. Everything's okay. Yeah. And, and that is insanity to me and also made me realize like how screwed up life would be it for people who don't have that ability and, and how much harder everything is. And so it's, it's a linchpin of our modern society, but it's also, you know, kind of a, a stake through the heart. If, uh, if you don't have good credit.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, and I I think, uh, you know, ever since biblical times, I guess, usury right as as they would call it you know gets a you know gets a bad rap but it's like well dude I mean there's no incentive for me to loan you anything right if yeah how how do they describe it it's like why would I give up ten thousand dollars now to loan you for ten thousand dollars in the future like it doesn't make any sense I'll give you ten thousand dollars now for twelve thousand you know in the future or you know it just makes more sense. So I, I I feel like there's, um, you know, a a lot of people when it, when it comes to discussions of debt or economics or finances, just in general, it's always like, you know, sort of the, the negative aspects of it, you know, rather than like, wow, it is pretty amazing how we're able to, you know, interact with one another. And, uh, you know, if it even is like on a level of, you know, being able to take a loan and, you know, eventually pay it back.
1: And, and, you know, as much as I've kind of, uh, been steeped in personal finance, all that stuff, uh, you know, there are people who are like ninja level at managing debt. And, and when I say managing, not just paying off cards, I'm saying using it as a tool for, you know, uh, exponential wealth. I mean, mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, <laughs> governments uh, are giving you uh, money, you know, and, and so um, it's, it's a pretty uh, powerful tool. Like, you know, uh, all this cheap money that we've had for decades or at least, let's say a decade and a half up until recently, um, you know, there are so many people who made fortunes getting virtually free loans from the government. And buying up all this property, like, like the asset price inflation has all been because of e- easy money and it's accessible to a very small fraction of the population.
0: Yeah, it's well, it's well. Yeah. There, there's a point where, uh, you know, I just don't understand stuff, <laughs> um, and, you know, getting, you know, g- you know, getting to that level, but I'll tell you what, you know, something that, that I get, you know, that like excites me, um, is, um, so I have, I have two kids and we opened, um. 529 plans for them, which is like, uh, you know, for for education. And I get so excited, like when I put in money every single month for them, you know, and it's like, you know, you you look at it, and it's like, um, I could have been, you know, wasting that money on anything, but there's something very, you know, futuristic (laughs) <laughs> looking to the i don't know i'm yeah. trying I'm, I'm trying here steve no no it's uh, good it's good no, no looking look, looking to the you know looking to the future and that's an incentive you know uh, you know of itself that's you know those are the markers of telling me how to you know go about day by day-to-day day stuff you know
1: it, it's it's interesting when you say that i think this is a very underrated part or a societal benefit of having kids There is a positivity and necessity to make things better that comes along with it. And look, there's, there's a lot of shitty parents, let's face it. But, but, uh, but once you have kids that, that, almost necessitates, Hey, I, I have to plan for the future. I have to care about the future to some extent just for their sake. And so that is being lost as people have fewer kids and, you know, and, and, and the population starts to to taper off that that's a, a big problem. You, you start to feel futureless and, and that 529 mm. plan is that, that you just described is kind of like a, a microcosm of of positivity of of this you know like aspirational thing that you have and look (laughs) we're gonna have a world where not everyone's aspirations are gonna come true but the fact that you have it is is hope that is the definition of hope and i think it's so important and a lot of it is being lost
0: no 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 i i I appreciate that and uh something that um uh, a couple of years ago i had a a fan reach out to me and was a really nice um message i'm i'm so easy to get in touch with like um maybe too easy to get in touch with <laughs> um but uh, someone you know reached out to me and, and asked like you know lou you are you hopeful for the future and uh and i thought about it for you know for a while and i said i i am hopeful because I don't have any other choice, but to be hopeful. It's like, I right. am, I have a, a child, you know, on the way. And it's like, if you're not hopeful, well, you got to create your own hope. And you, know, you yeah. got to do, you know, do it anyway, uh any way that you can. And, um, yeah, I'm I'm not saying it, no, no, you know what I am saying? Everyone get out there and have a kid. Because that'll, yeah. that'll, that, that, you know, that will, you know, trigger something in you. At least it did in me, you know. Yeah. And, and you know, you know what it
1: is? It's, I, I, I wrote a piece on this a while back, but I, I think the key to, if not happiness, uh, contentment and fulfillment and satisfaction, it's obligations that you choose versus obligations that are burdened upon you. You know, because if someone is telling you, you must do this, you know, it, it could feel, you know, it could feel hard. I, I guess there there are variations of that where it's like, you know, you have a sick parent or something and you have mm-hmm. to take care of them, you know, like that's put upon you. But, you know, you feel like it, it, it's important to do. But a lot of obligations are not that. But if you choose to have a child, that is an obligation that you chose and that it, there's a certain type of empowerment that comes along with that and that hope and positivity that we talked about so i think that combination produces contentment in a way that very few other things can
0: yeah i, I uh, for me i i you know if i'm if i'm being honest i uh it's produced quite a bit of stress um yeah. but but it's more of uh i i have a tendency to catastrophize anyway um so like um not like this is going to be turned into a a therapy session, um, but but I, I have a tendency to catastrophize. I have a tendency to take uh, things very personally, like even in if even in business, you know, mm. um, and uh, and those two things can like send me spiraling, you know. Um, so like just like you know, stressed out, like worry, and you know, uh, and all that, and then the fact that I'm I you know I work in in entertainment. There's just like. Uh, you know, a part of me is, uh, am I'm very proud of of where I am and I I know how hard I worked, you know, to get here. But then another part of me just realizes, you know, you're an entertainer, you're a producer, you're a comedian, like it can go like that. Um, and you know, you know, strapping a, uh, you know, a wife and two kids to the back of a, of a clown, yeah. you know, <laughs> yeah. you know, it could be, yeah. you know, it's like, you know, risky, you know, it's risky. And I, you know, I think that there's something, um, there's something to that where I, I just, I kind of think, uh, you know, I, I feel a little bit more dangerous. Like when I say something that might be a little, um, you know, yeah, a things are on the there. line. Yeah. yeah. It's like, where it's like, if, you know, if I'm a 21 year old kid who, you know, has like four roommates and I'm doing, you know, doing my comedy and saying, whatever the fuck I want. It's like, yeah, no, it it takes some balls kid, but, um, you know, try try having, uh, (laughs) try having, you know, responsibility and and lives, you know, in your hands.
1: So. Yeah. Yeah. You, you've, uh, created, well, you know, entrepreneurship is essentially that what you just described, because it, you know, we're at a point in our law in society, really in our, our evolution as a society where the world no longer creates monsters for us. I mean every once in a while there's a Putin who invades your country. Mm. You know so so the, the monsters still exist. But but generally speaking, you know, when you live a life that's pretty comfortable and you have an office gig under air conditioning and in a comfy, you know, Herman Miller chair, you're doing all right, you know? And and so, you know, and in that world, you know, you can lull yourself into stagnation and so a lot of people like the the top entrepreneurs uh a top creative people they're driving themselves they, they're creating their own monsters you know they're creating their own putins to invade their lives so they can go out and you know and be successful
0: guys i'm so sorry for creating so many putins like, like <laughs> too many Putins. that's putin.
1: the name of this episode it's, too, it's many it's too
0: many putins too it's many almost putin. like an inside job like lou perez was behind um uh behind all that um so uh, some of some of the stuff uh, uh, th- that, that, like I like I told the others, you know, you're a great follow on on Twitter because y- you you have really great threads and from day to day, I'm not sure what you're going to be taking on, which is not no, and that's and that's a great thing. It's I like
1: I think there's drugs they prescribe for that. I think that's yeah. like a Zoloft uh, cry for Zoloft. <laughs>
0: yeah, from day to day, like man, he's. You know, he's manic. He's down. He's I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Sometimes but, uh,
1: he wakes up uh, Republican. Sometimes he wakes up in uh, you know, Marxist. What? What's yeah. Going what's going on here?
0: Um. But uh, w- one of the things, at least in you know in, in recent memory, and and a um, a comment came in, uh, in regards to um uh, uh Budweiser, uh, Bud Light in particular, and and Bud Light's decision uh to have uh, Dylan Mulvaney, a yeah. uh, trans woman. To be, you know, sort of a spokesperson um, for yeah. uh, for the brand, and it came out around. I don't know if it was on April Fool's Day. It came, or- I think what well, I saw it in April Fools,
1: yeah. and I think I tweeted something snarky. I was like, uh, I was like, well, you know, f- six hours left to enjoy this because I thought it was a a prank, and it right. wasn't.
0: Yeah, and, and I, I think a lot of people uh, thought it was a prank, and then a lot of people realized it was real. And there was a lot of, a lot of offended people. Um, and uh, uh, before we, before we get into, in, uh, let's, let's get into your take. I, I want to hear what, what, um, you know, what, what you had to say about it? Well, before I
1: get into my take, I'm going to respond to, to what you just said. The last thing, which is a lot of offended people. I don't think there are a lot of offended people. I think, first of all, I don't think there's a lot of offended males in general, because how many guys have you met in real life who have said i am so offended by what you just said right. it just it's not a thing uh, but there is a performative type of offended that is either used as a weapon or is used by insane people
0: it's a, so it's the res- it's the professional wrestling uh, right, almost element of
1: that's food. right yeah, yeah and so i think i don't know how many people are actually offended but um but i think so i had a couple of you know i did a, a like a little mini episode on this but the general strategy when you're a brand that's basically so mature that you're now starting to decline you're a cash cow you milk this is what you do to a cash cow. You don't suddenly huh. go, "Wait a minute, guys. We have an idea. Make this cow into a bull." Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're going are going to transition the cow.
0: Right.
1: <laughs> so that is not a thing you do in business. I've never seen it done before. Yeah. Um
0: You can only milk a bull like what, maybe a couple times a day? You got to get you got to let them take a you rest. You can
1: milk a bull, but <laughs> that's a completely different business. Different, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so I think that that is the first thing, the first problem, uh, you know, why would you, uh, secondly, so you, you know, the, the normal strategy is you milk your cash cows and you redeploy that capital, that profit into stuff that's growing, you know, other opportunities, new, new products, new services, new ideas, maybe investments in other companies, you know, you explore maybe R and D, you know, you find that next thing. But uh, this you don't do. And so the, 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 the thing that, that um, also was confusing to me is the woman they hired seems to not like the people who buy their product because and,
0: and, i and by by the higher you mean like the new pr the new marketing VP of
1: marketing of bud yeah. light yeah because there was a clip that came out of her talking about this how it was a dying brand and she had a, a mission to take on which was to to grow the brand which listen it, it's hard to grow a, a multi-billion dollar brand uh, or it, 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 there are ways i and i got mm-hmm. into it I, we could get into it if you want but the uh the, the impression I got from what she said was she didn't, she called it fratty, the, yeah. you know, the, 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 the branding she, she just had a, uh, it, it, she implied that they weren't evolved, you know, that, that it's time for, you know, to evolve. It, it had very faint uh, hints of Hillary's deplorables yeah. line, you know, but it, much more subtle. You know, in a corporate sort of way, Uh, she didn't say it out loud. But but if you put all the you know, the 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 trail of of uh, of crumbs leads uh, to something similar. And I think that it's almost impossible to be successful when you don't love your customers when you and and I had this situation recently where um, a guy I know uh, asked me to look at his uh, pitch, his startup pitch. And as I looked through the deck and I, 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 you know, I I spoke to him after I said, listen, do you like these people that you are Mm. launching this business for? Because the impression I'm getting is that you don't. And if you don't, you're not going to be successful trying to serve them if you have some sort of disdain for, for these people. And when you're in a bubble and, you know, and uh, living in New York and you think you can market to people in the Midwest a- a- as some sort of, you know, alien race, or you think you can cut out the people who are making you billions of dollars to find these new woke mm-hmm. people who are the worst. They're, it is the worst audience. First of all, they're not big drinkers. They're not having sex. And this is all statistically speaking. I, right. I looked at the numbers and they're never happy they're they're Mm -hmm. they're highly medicated and they're combustible you do one thing wrong they uh, they hate you they tweet against you they turn on you they turn on a dime and so like is that the person you're going to build your future around
0: right yeah and you know thinking about that too you know i don't know if it's because as I've gotten older, I, I drink less. And part of it is, um, uh, part of it is just, uh, like not being able to bounce back the way, the way I used to, yeah. like, uh, you know, hangovers hit me really hard. I get even, um, I, I've had hangovers, just sugar hangovers. Like if I go <laughs> a little too nuts and it eat a so bit sugar, I'm not a diabetic, but just like, it hits me like in the morning. So, uh, you know, health wise, it's just better for me that I'm not drinking as much. I love a, yeah. a good margarita every now and then like, um, that's my, uh, that's my drink. But as far as like drinking on the regular, I'm, I'm not doing that. And, uh, what's, what's funny with the Bud Light thing, like just even, you know, this marketing person, you know, I, I, I totally agree, like totally shitting on the uh, customer base. It's also like, you're you're trying to find new ways to sell alcohol to a younger audience you know where all signs are saying like no actually you should be living a healthier lifestyle right you know so right. like when it when it comes to like like smoking governments uh, will do everything they can to uh uh get young people not to even start smoking but yet here we are with alcohol, you know, trying to, you know, reach out, you know, to this younger audience. So that was just, you know, that, that was, that was weird. I, I didn't, I didn't see anybody talking about, about that.
1: Yeah. The, the, the other part of what you're saying is, you know, so I'll give you the flip side, which is the corporate end of what you just said, which is the way these jobs are defined. She couldn't even make those kinds of moves because she's in a corporate box. So they give her a vertical brand. So they're like, mm. okay, Bud Light, because Bud and Bud Light are even separate departments. Like right. th- those are those are completely different lines of business that are managed separately. And then on and then she has a functional role, which is marketing. So even if she wanted to do some of these other things and say, hey, let's make a healthy thing. Let's do this, th- that's another guy or woman. You know, mm-hmm. like like the hard seltzer arguably maybe he's healthier. You know, maybe you have it on the treadmill or something (laughs) but but you know the that is completely a different department she has to she has to get on an elevator you know like meet with another person well
0: well, even well even that you know when i when I, i i made a joke about um they need a non-binary person to uh, be the spokesperson for a non-alcoholic beer now, because it just, you know, we'll play on words, non and non. <laughs> you but, know,
1: I want to see, see non-binary elevators that have no numbers.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: exactly. You never know. Am I going to get there?
0: Yeah um but but like you know someone like dylan mulvaney which um i was on um i was on a, my friend's podcast uh live from america podcast uh with uh hatem gabor and um uh noam Dwarman, and uh a comedian uh, uh uh a transgender comedian was on jay and jay and i were, were talking about how like forget about like you know the controversy of like the you know the trans person it's like this is an annoying human being. Like Dylan Mulvaney yeah. is so fucking annoying. Like, yeah. you know um, so they go with this person and then they try to, and they align Dylan with Bud Light. When you, I think you have, you do have an opportunity Like you're saying the other flavors, like give Bud Light, you know, Bud Lime or something like that. Like something that's, that's, that's different. That doesn't have as big of a, a you know, of a, fan base, a drinking base. I don't know. Uh, it seemed like even there, there were all, there were, there were opportunities to do something that wasn't going to alienate, you know, your, your customer base.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's still Anheuser-Busch. It's a massive company. If you're determined to see, but th- this is the thing. It's like everyone has to view uh, diversity within these very small, w- within, uh, they they, they want to put it in places where it doesn't make sense. Like, do you look at diversity across all of Anheuser-Busch or do you look at diversity within each single item that they sell? Right. Because one is a nonsensical way to look at it. Like, yeah, I, I understand. You, you want to be diverse. You want to represent different people. You want to go after different markets. Knock yourself out. It's the same thing they do with superheroes. It's like, hey, now – all the Ghostbusters are trans. I'm like, okay. I mean, is there a good reason for you to do that? Is there like a, you know, did you write a great story where that makes sense? Or did you just kind of wedge it in because you think that's, you know, so I, I call that the Hannibal Lecter strategy because <laughs> like you literally put the skin of another person on your face and you're like... I'm that guy. <laughs> I'm him. And I'm right. like, no, you're exactly the, 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 the guy I know who's wearing a bloody mask. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're putting on the bloody mask of wokeness and saying, Oh, now we're trans friendly. I'm like, you've had no opinions on gender for, uh, for decades and now all of a sudden bud light is our shining light into the future of of gender i'm like you're full of shit so you're still hannibal lecter you just now have a mask a a trans mask on
0: right yeah um yeah like i wonder you know it's probably like an easy parody to do but just like you know have like dylan mulvaney push like cult 45 or malt liquor and stuff where it's sort of stuff that was predominantly the urban market it's like you know what I think Dylan can I think Dylan could be the new face uh, <laughs> could, could be the new Billy D. Williams of yeah. Cold 45.
1: Well, it's like, you, you know what it would be like? It'd be like, um, do you ever see the Brady Bunch movie? Mm hmm. So there was a there was a running gag in there where where no matter what the client would ask for, right. Mike, the husband would always give them a version of the Brady house with a different sign on top of it. yeah. so it's like no matter what your problem you have at your corporation, Dylan Mulvaney is your solution.
0: Yeah, that's right. And I mean Dylan has gotten fucking advertising like all over the place. Nike, um, Bud Light. I only know two all over the place. Here are two things. But, you know, I, I would, I, I, I'd be amazed, you know, to see what those checks look like.
1: But you know what, Dylan? So I have nothing against, uh, listen, there's a lot of people making money off, off this stuff. So I you know, sure. I, I, I'm not going to isolate uh, her or to, to make, you know, to, to have a problem with, but her specifically it comes off almost like a minstrel show. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's a it's a gender version of a minstrel show where she's putting on this act of uh, of a of a exaggerated woman, uh, not even like a, a a regular woman how a woman would behave. It's just so exaggerated, so over the top that it's almost insulting. I, I don't know if I if I'm a woman and I'm watching it, would I? I you know I can't put myself necessarily in that position, but it just feels so over the top, and if like that that could be offensive if you're a certain kind of person,
0: yeah, the the most annoying skinny bitch you've ever met. <laughs> it's like you don't you don't got titties, you don't got an ass. like get the <laughs> fuck away from me. Holy go over there and drink your cult forty five <laughs> in the corner uh, <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah. now it's wild that I wonder, you know what the you know what the future holds uh for you know other products that i, I Well, actually, I I was going to say other products I don't buy, but I got, I think I have like a 18 pack of Bud Light in my garage that's been in there for months. So it's been through like all different like temperature drops. I yeah. Have no no it idea could survive what that's anything. Yeah. That
1: beer is pure piss. Like I I didn't even I didn't even like beer largely because of Bud Light and Bud and all these other so like it, well into my 20s I I, I refused to drink beer cuz it tasted disgusting until I went to Belgium and a friend of mine took mm. me to all these places and he's like oh Leffe, Duval, Chimay, all these beers I'm like oh my god these are so good and and I'm like all right I could see alcoholism in my future because
0: yeah. this is
1: actually good
0: i uh well well, the thing i the thing about bud light is you can drink like 10 of them and you know still no no i i would still get shit faced (laughs) over over 10 that'd be that'd be a little much yeah the well yeah the belgian beers uh they have some delicious stuff i i made the mistake though of drinking um delirium was was one of them uh and i think that was like Maybe nine or ten percent alcohol. Yeah, like I, yeah could probably, I could I get up
1: there. It's like wine,
0: dude. I'm like, holy shit! <laughs> that that just um, you know would knock me out. Um, so so um, some other things I want to you know definitely uh, talk to you about. Um, been seeing a lot with you know the rise of ChatGPT and Dolly and um, you know the Roomba uh, AI, <laughs> uh, the the prospect of AI artificial intelligence taking. Jobs. Now, where do you, wh- where are you on that? Are you on the the side of Skynet, or uh, do you think the humans will win?
1: Well, so I, I think people are thinking about it in, or at least what I've seen. I, I you know, I can't represent everybody here, but it, I, I think a, a good way to look at it is the difference between uh, a regular checkout counter and self checkout, where you have one person, one employee for like six to eight registers, maybe more. I don't know. So, so it's an amplification of human capabilities. And so, so now you're not going to need as many people. So it's like a game of musical chairs, but now we're pulling out four at a time instead of one chair at a time. And, and so, uh, so I think it's, it's, a definite acceleration of the musical chairs and in, in terms of jobs and there are, and, and most people who do jobs in front of a screen that don't have a physical product are at serious risk. Like, you know, I, I tried to put some marketing stuff in there. it's, it's better than 80% of the stuff I've seen from, from humans, wow. maybe sometimes a little too wordy, maybe mm-hmm. a little bit, you know, it, not perfect, at least the written stuff, the the visual stuff still needs a lot of work, but, but it'll, it'll improve dramatically, probably on an exponential curve. So I think that, um, any job that, uh, doesn't produce anything in the material world is going to be, uh, at, at serious risk. So. Uh, So yeah, I, I think it's a race. I think it's a race between AI being able to improve enough to amplify jobs so the workforce will go down and aging of the workforce which is you know a lot of people retiring or or you know just and and decrease in birth rates so it's essentially you know what's going to happen first are we going to find new things for the new people to do that and and wait for the old people to age out Uh, and ai and robotics and all this other automation will um allow us to sustain ourselves comfortably without a lot of people working.
0: Mm. No, that's interesting. It is something that I, um, uh, I mean, everybody will notice this, you know, just over the past, however many months, just the amount of people in tech being, being let go. Um, and I think part of that is, is a testament to, I wonder how many of those people shouldn't have been there in the first place. (laughs) You know, I didn't really, you know, uh, You know, watching those fucking like TikTok videos of like a day in the life, and I go to (laughs) I go to the Google office, and you know we do a rock climbing wall, but I'm not going to do a rock climbing wall because I can just make my smoothie over here and go take a nap in the nap section and pet you know, (laughs) and pet you know the company dolphin or the manatee, you know, just uh, you know stuff like that. It's uh, it's like I don't know you, I don't know what you do. You know, you probably shouldn't you know have a job, but um, something that I noticed when so during, during COVID, we moved, um, to our house and we did basically like a gut renovation. And, um, fortunately we were able to do that because, uh, we sold our our apartment to the city and, uh, it was, you know, you were able to, you know, to move, get a a really nice, uh, priced home and then have money for renovation.
1: Mm.
0: And, you know, during that, uh, our contractor there were often days that he was working alone not because he's the alone type but because he couldn't find anybody Mm. to you know come work because it uh uh, workers were really you know it was a workers market you know when it came to to construction and um and i was like oh that that's that's really interesting and i started thinking like i don't have any building skills, like what whatsoever there, there was actually a, a point in time when I was, I was looking, um, cause I was like between jobs and I was, I was working on my book and, uh, I was going to go for, um, vocational training and i was trying to think like you know what would be you know sh- should i do electric should i do plumbing um and it's actually something that i'm kind of still thinking about i think it would be you know interesting just to just to go back
1: i would uh, 100% recommend that to a lot of people who like if you want job security I, those are the last ones that'll be automated: electrician, uh, plumbing, uh, HVAC, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Welding, you know, you're still going to need that, and it'll it'll be automated with time. But anything that has high variability and non standardization mm-hmm. are going to be survivors for the next forty years, let's say.
0: Yeah, and and with that, you know, earlier I talked about you know the five twenty nine plan, um, you know, basically an, an education fund for for my two kids. When I talked to um, our uh, financial planner about it, I said, you know, looking at the landscape, you know, in 18 years, 20 years, I'm like, who even knows if my kids are going to want to go to college? Like, what is college even going to be? And he said, well, the good thing about the 529 plan, and I'm not giving any financial advice. I don't want to be sued or whatever the, you know, whatever the fuck can happen. He said, the good thing is like, you could, they could eventually take it out and they'll get hit with a penalty, but you know, they'll. It, it, it makes sense. Yeah, it's nothing, you know, too, um, you know, uh, too bad. But, you know, something that I'm definitely going to be pushing, you know, my my kids towards are, you know, the, you know, uh, the trades, because it's like there, there is absolutely no reason why uh, my kids couldn't learn to be, you know, an electrician, plumber or HVAC or anything like that. And still, if they if they if they're interested in drama still take acting classes, still, you know, um, if they're interested in literature, still, you know, read lit, Um, you know, so it's sort of, it's really uh, having, you know, gone through, you know, college myself all the way, gotten like an MFA and then just living in the real world, I've been able to just see the, you know, the insane amount of possibilities that are, you know, that are there before you when it comes to education and also uh, providing a, you know, a, a, a realistic, uh, future for yourself when it comes to you know work and at this point i don't know what just happened to steve i think my my wifi went down steve just turned like insanely pixelated and um uh, i don't know if he if he can hear me can you hear me steve oh no okay i steve just dropped out um but hopefully he'll he'll come back i hope that wasn't my uh, my wifi or if maybe steve went all the way futuristic and just sent back a uh, pixelated version of himself um, while I'm waiting for Steve to come back and let me uh, actually text him just to yep there he is he's back hey
1: sorry about that it must have been a, a Wi-Fi problem um, uh, uh,
0: did you hear anything I, I said I hope, no. I hope so. oh shit well I'm, I'm not gonna well basically what I'm gonna what, what I'm gonna say is um, uh, you know for for my kids you know in the future definitely going to be, you know, pushing them towards a, uh, a, a trades path. Um, the, with me, the idea being there's nothing stopping somebody from learning a trade and also getting, yeah, uh, and
1: doing it, the creative stuff. Yeah. I yeah heard and doing, say- and doing the yeah.
0: humanities too. And, uh, and, you know, fortunately we, you know, where we live in like, a uh, in a neighborhood, uh, where, you know, a lot of people do that. There's a lot of people, you know, working, uh, you know, working in their garages on stuff. Um, so, you know. the
1: the two things that worry me about AI there's there's a few. Uh, one is, you know, the there's a reverse. Uh, it's called the Baumol effect. I don't want to get into the whole economics side of it, but but essentially it means that if you were to uh, price a haircut in 1950 and price a haircut in 2023, the haircut, even if you adjust for inflation, the haircut in 2023 is going to be more expensive. And you're like, well, why? Well, because all the other jobs have gotten more productive and they are getting paid more. And so you need to just to survive and buy groceries Mm -hmm. and do all this other stuff, you need to Make more money in order to be willing to do that work, and so so th- that increase is real. And so, what happens when you let in a lot of cheaper labor? You have a uh, a reverse effect, right, where you know salaries go down. And essentially, what's happening with AI is like unleashing millions of specialized low-wage workers into the economy Hmm. and and so that could have a huge collapsing effect on wages because you know, now you've got, you, you've essentially unleashed a bunch of like low wage workers into the, into the economy. And yes, there'll be some people who are able
0: to. <laughs> all, all the, I was just going to say all the AI are Mexicans. Just all these Mexican AIs <laughs> taking your jobs. <laughs> waiting you know, in
1: front of the Home Depot. And <laughs> the Home Depot, just
0: all these like like binary, you know, binary <laughs> codes just going back and forth. We're in, front, yeah, of Home or in front of
1: Microsoft offices instead yeah, yeah. of Home Depot. <laughs>
0: um,
1: But yeah, it's essentially that. And that to me, because, you know, and, and there, it goes hand in hand with my other fear here, which is because the economics are so wildly lopsided. I mean, we're talking about the difference between making an image in minutes or seconds versus someone taking a week to do it. Like right. it, it's wildly different. And, you know, once it gets that good, like, you know, so, so th- that's one concern, the, the wage part of it. The other part of it is the um, pure oppression of it, because think of it this way. And the oppression happens through economics. So if you are a uh, designer, right, and you have this awesome, wild idea for an ad campaign, uh, but uh, the guy who's using the ai has a another idea your idea is going to take a week to do that guy can do his idea in uh 45 minutes uh, guess what's going to happen guess which one's going to be picked that one now the ai is not very permissive it's a it's a domesticated bitch like if you if you tried to use the microsoft ai it is a pure unadulterated risk management. It is a censorship mm-hmm. machine. Like mm-hmm. I tried to put in a, I tried to turn the transcript uh, for my last episode, the Bud Light episode into a, a blog post. I put it in, it started going and started showing me results, p- putting paragraph after paragraph. And then, oh, oh, sorry, we can't do this topic. It It's too controversial. We don't want to offend anybody. Cut it off, deleted all the prior uh, product wow. that was that was created. It is a pure enforcement mechanism of of unbelievable proportions it is pure squelching of speech pure squelching of of creativity sheerly through economics no one in government ever has to lift a finger because it's all going to be done by the risk management of the companies that own these ais so essentially the the Overton window is going to be like a like you know do you remember the seinfeld episode where Kramer slid salami slices under the door. <laughs> you know, so I don't, I don't that, that. <laughs> no. So there was an episode where, where like someone was stuck in in the apartment, and uh, a Kramer had a salami slicer, so he would just slice salami, and that's the only thing that could they eat could the eat. person. Yeah. So, so our Overton window is going to be this this little gap between the door and the oh. floor where you're going to squeeze salami slices. There. Um, oh. it, it is it, that to me is the biggest fear. So. This is the battle. The battle is uh, the economics one is going to be lost. And the question is, who will pay for heresy? Who will pay for Lou Perez to do his super creative sketches when the machine can create less controversial sketches in a, a, a fraction of the time at a fraction of the cost?
0: That's an amazing question. And I think an amazing point for us to stop over here. And uh, Steve is going to join me on my locals, uh, the for a locals exclusive. There's going to be a lot of heresy, uh, <laughs> a lot of heresy <laughs> over there. Um, but uh, for everybody listening uh, to the stream and listening to this on, um, on my podcast on the the audio version uh i want to thank steve factor so much for for coming down and uh please check out his podcast nick future podcast and
1: future just look up steve factor all my stuff Steve F-A-K-T-O-R.
0: f-a-k-t-o-r there we go all right bye bye guys
1: a pleasure